So here's the thing, entrepreneurs, leaders, salespeople, we all wanna create consistent, repeatable, and scalable ways to grow our business and our income. And we wanna do it better, faster, and more seamlessly. Why? So we can actually enjoy our lives, take vacations, and spend the quality time we want with the people that we love. How do we do all this without spending a fortune or running ourselves ragged? That's the big question, and this show is dedicated to the answer. All right, what's up everybody on Facebook? It's uh, 1256 here in the West. Uh, welcome to This Week in Housing. I guess we should really call it This Every Other Week in Housing. Uh, as always, uh, I've got uh, David Childers, right, from Keeping Current Matters, right? Uh, one of the extraordinary people over at KCN that really, you know, every, uh, every other week now, David and I are, you know, trying to bring you the data, the facts, to help you fight against the war that you're in, the war of misinformation, the war of fear-mongering when it comes to housing. And, you know, we get it because, hey, listen, if you go back, you know, 12 years ago, 2008 was still very emotionally real for people. Uh, but today, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about unemployment. We're going to talk about what's happening in the overall economy. We're going to talk about forbearance. And we're also going to talk about Susie Ormond and her ridiculous comment that she just made. God bless her little Bobby socks, but wow. And to help us do that, we have the extraordinary coach Yvonne Arnold with us. So, uh, so I'm going to just do some quick hello. So first of all, uh, let's start with Yvonne. Yvonne, give us a quick state of the union. First of all, where do we, uh, where do we find you today? Are you in Sandpoint, Idaho, or are you in uh, Riverside, California? Today I'm in Sandpoint, Idaho. Next week I'll be in Riverside, California. So yeah, have real estate, will travel. So we're going to talk about a little bit on the luxury market and the second home markets today. You're in Sandpoint. Sandpoint would be considered, a, a, I'm assuming, a, definitely a second, second community, right? A second a, home community? A second home resort community, yeah. We have a uh, second largest lake west of the Mississippi and a ski resort. So uh, lots of um, people coming here to retire or to get a quality of life. Yeah. Well, you dropped such a wonderful uh, data nugget on everybody last uh, two weeks ago. I, I'm probably personally responsible for at least a thousand you know, clicks on their website. Uh, how money walks. Oh. Give it, you know, for the people that are maybe just checking in live before, we, before I reintroduce as always David and have a quick conversation with him. Um, where did you see that site? How do you use it? Give us some insight on that as we're just kind of getting ready before the official hour begins. Yeah, um, you know, I, I can't recall. It's been about two years now that I have uh, first learned about it. And I think one of our coaches recommended it. I cannot remember who, so I don't know who to give thanks to. Um, it is the IRS migration map. And I use it with my coaching clients uh, to say, hey, you need to know where your people are moving in and out from, and then market to those. Market the agents in those markets. You know, hey, if you have somebody looking to sell where you're at and move to my area, I'm here for you. Uh, or the reverse, you know, you can market, say, hey, I've got a buyer moving to your area. What are some of the spots? So that's one of the ways you can use it. But mostly it's just seeing what's happening and people don't realize. It's hard to find for us through the years yes. where people are coming in and out from because some of these markets, these metropolis markets are huge. Mm -hmm. um, Riverside, California, you know, where are people going? Well, believe it or not, a large percentage are going to Boise, Idaho, Southern Idaho, um, yep. eight hours south of me, um, and uh, or Arizona, Nevada. So, and we're seeing almost a four percent. Um, it's a negative four percent of exit exodus from California to those other states. So, when you start seeing that, you got to follow the numbers, and uh, that's the best way to do it. Hundred percent. I I have shared it with every CEO, every webinar I've been on. You know, I always talk about you know, data over drama, right? You gotta look at the MLS every day. You gotta study what KCM and what we're talking about, you know, getting the, getting the true data before you look at the headlines and then adding that one in, adding interest rates, adding, you know, showing time. The, the whole point of this show for my friends that are watching right now or watching in the future is, we wanna continue to arm you with the data so you can be the knowledge broker in your town. And I'm gonna say it again, because there's a bunch of you now that are just getting on the, on the session with us, um, you're at war right now. You're at war with mass media, with emotional financial scars that people have from 12 years ago, right? People are confused, right? Susie Ormond just came out and said you shouldn't buy a house. We've had other people that I call talking heads and opinions that have said these same things without backing it up with any data or science or math, right? 
we're at war, so we need to do a better job being the voice of reason, being the educator. But I'm gonna get into more of that uh, in a little bit. But David, we're gonna, we're gonna talk a lot about the economy, but just maybe give us a quick, it's 101, we got a bunch of people jumping on the session here. Give us a quick State of the Union. How are you doing? How is the team doing? How is KCM doing? And then we're gonna jump right into unemployment. Absolutely, yeah. No, all, all is well here uh, on KCM. You know, it's funny, that site, How Money uh, Walks, as soon as we got off uh, the, This Week in Housing two weeks ago, a member of our research team, Jamie, texted me, and she was like, that's an awesome site. And so our team's following that and looking at that analysis. Thanks for that, Yvonne. And, you know, there's a lot happening. I would say, you know, we, we went through this time where, you know, Tom, when we started this, things were uh, crazy, unexpected, and kind of rode that wave. And now we're starting to see some more things happen in the market. And you made the, the, the brilliant point there that being able to attack, and I'm going to call it the headlines in the market, yep. and be able to address that with data. And, and, the, and the whole Susie uh, Orman thing, I would even say it underscores how important it is today to have a relevant market opinion, but also how hard it is for people that aren't in our business to understand what's going on. And no that's doubt. our job right now. No doubt. And I know just before we talk about unemployment, you know, yourself and Steve, I am, we're talking to Wall Streeters, we're talking to hedge fund managers. Ferry, how's the market? What's, what's going on? You know, if I, yeah. they say, if I open up any, any piece of intelligent news, right? One says the whole world's falling apart. The other one says, Hold, right. hold, hold all your cash so you can buy it all. And the other one says, prices are screaming and going through the roof. You know, which one is it? And right. I, I just say, look, I have two sources, you guys and Ivy Zellman, right? And, and all, all of you guys are all bearish, bearish, you mean, bullish on what's happening with housing. But let's get into unemployment because I know that's, that's what's on a lot let's, of people's minds. It's what drives a lot of the fear. Yeah, so let's unpack that and let's, let's talk about it because since we last met, the, the June unemployment report came out. It's called the, un, the Unemployment Situation Report. And, you know, I, I think the, the headline there, if you've seen it, the consensus was for just over 3 million jobs to have been added in the month of June. But what we know is 4.8 million jobs were added, almost 50% more uh, jobs added than what analysts and, you know, uh, forecasters expected. And that's encouraging. It's very encouraging as we see the economy start to come back online and we see things starting to happen again. And, uh, and, and you know, this, we're going to look at the overall picture of unemployment, but, but, but that is the lead right there that, that 4.8 million jobs were added uh, last month. And they came from a, a unique cross-section of industries. You know, we talked about as we started this being a service sector-led recession, and we see those jobs coming back, 2.1 million jobs coming back in leisure and hospitality. Um, you know, retail jobs coming back where, where we said, you know, how long is it going to take for people to, uh, to get back out and into, you know, malls and things like that? And even some people say maybe, maybe people got back too, too quickly there. But, you know, and you can see on down the line jobs coming back in a lot of different sectors. Now, when we go through these, Tom, and we've talked about this a lot, about the ability to be the knowledge broker and educate the clients you serve. I'm not suggesting we take all these out and we use all these, but we have them as resources as people have concerns about what is going on. And, and overall, the Bureau of Labor Statistics came out and said the unemployment rate for the month of June fell to 11.1%. Okay, so we know we're high uh, in the month of April at 14.7%. and We've kind of inched down uh, each month in May and then uh, in June coming down, and that's a good thing, meaning more people coming back into their jobs when the business is able to do what they do best, make you know, uh, goods and services, provide products, do what they do uh, to people that need them. So we certainly wanna see that happen. Now we talked last David, time. David, before you, before you jump further, I, I wanna stop. Yvonne, when you, when you see those first three slides, okay. right, as, as a business person, as a developer, as a you know, agent in two different, you know, parts of the country running successful business as a, as a business coach, okay. what goes through your mind when you see all this, what, what's going through your mind? The first thing I look at is what David mentioned about the leisure and hospitality segment. Um, that's a rough segment anyway. Um, I mean, restaurant business is one of the hardest businesses in the country ever in the world, uh, just in normal times. So I'm not so concerned with that because that is a COVID issue. 
Um, and then the next thing I look at when I'm looking at these charts and I'm scrolling through my other screen here um, is watching it go down. And then my first question I have in my head is, are these unemployment rates, what do they include, right? What are in them and um, who's being counted and not counted? Because then I was talking to David earlier before we started the show about the SBA and PPP stuff. If you look at it at the um, actual, you know, from the SBA Paycheck Protection Program themselves, their whole report, um, they believe that they have covered about 87% of the jobs that are out there. So that means that people still are getting a paycheck. Right. So we shouldn't see that much of an issue. Plus, we also know that unemployment rates, I mean, California rate, what, you get an extra $600 a month on unemployment. So some people are making $4,000 a month on unemployment. Right. So, I mean, we have to kind of use logic and not get too excited. Um, their biggest problem that we run into in our business, and, and every realtor out there knows it, is the qualifying ability with the lending institutions. Yes. That's We're going to talk about that today. And, and, and David, I don't think we have the slide, but we did show it to everybody last week. And I think it's such an important slide. So just you know, reminder for everybody, when you broke down the average age in tranches of sure. unemployment, yeah. and I don't want to misquote it, but it was a startling, startlingly high number that were under 25 years old. It's under 24, so it's disproportionately uh, affecting individuals that are below the age of 24. Yes. Now, that, that with compassion, you know, we, we want to see those right. folks come back to the market. The, the interesting thing that I brought up last week is when we compare that to NAR's um, profile of home buyers and sellers in 2019, they made up 3% of the buying population. So while, while we know it's shifted towards the younger populations, um, it's, it's likely affecting people in that way that weren't out looking for homes uh, in, in that case. Got it. So let's go back to the slides, but I want to just say I'm, I'm looking here. So Tiffany Howell, hi to Tiffany Howell. Uh, can we get the slides from KCM? Yes. Go to mykcm.com forward slash Tom Ferry. Yep. My All of these are up there right now and, uh, yep. and, and folks can go grab theirs. And, and Yvonne, you bring up a good point of, of who is being collected. And I, I clipped this out of the Bureau of Labor Statistics uh, report that came out. It says, regardless of the assumptions we might make about misclassification, remember we talked about those that are being counted and you know, are they unemployed, are they this, are they that, which really kind of centers around temporary unemployment. The trend in unemployment rate over the period in question is the same. The rate increased in March and April, March and, April and eased in May, and then ultimately, obviously, in June here. And so that, that is really the story. As we went up as, as businesses, you know, the, the pause button was pressed, and it's coming back down. Now, it's interesting, as we shift to this unemployment report here, um, you know, we use this slide here to remind everybody that if 11.1% of the population is unemployed, that means, you know, 88.9% of the population is still employed, meaning almost uh, nine out of 10 people can transact, can qualify for a home loan, uh, can, you know, go out and, and, and purchase a home. But the shift came really in this report in more folks identifying and saying this is a permanent uh, unemployment situation for me versus a temporary. Now I'll go back if you remember when we started this, we started looking in April, that number was about one out of 10. It was 10% that said this is uh, going to be uh, permanent. And then the month after that, uh, we saw about two out of 10. And now we're seeing four out of 10. So more people saying this is a, a more of a permanent situation that may be a business that's been more severely affected, a business that's shutting down. Uh, in that, and we're gonna we're gonna take a look at that. And but I, I think the thing that we wanna we wanna look at here, and the Wall Street Journal summed it up very very well. They said U.S. job growth surged last month, underscoring the economy's capacity for a quick rebound. And if businesses continue to reopen, consumers regain confidence. Now they said this very interesting. The recent coronavirus spike, however, could undermine trends captured in the latest jobs report. So that is that is the question right now: is you know what what what's going on right now with the coronavirus, and how is that going to impact unemployment and things uh, happening with businesses across this country? 
And, and don't so, you believe consumer confidence is always, no matter what era you're in, what decade you're in, consumer confidence always drives everything. So if you're sure. bombarded constantly with crappy news yeah. and you're bombarded with all of that, your confidence level is going to go down. It would come back up previously because we were letting out of our stay at home process and we were able to get back some, somewhat normalcy. And then all of a sudden, you know, it goes back in. So that confidence level gets hit again. So I think that I believe in the American uh, public. I, I believe in their grit. I believe in their ability sure. to build. And I think uh, this is temporary. I mean, it's my gut just from being through a lot of it. Sure. I, I think it's a great point. Uh, and here's, here's, the, here's the thing we can look at in this. When we ran into this in March, I would argue that, and some people would say maybe, maybe not the case, but this caught us by and large by surprise. Mm -hmm. Okay. We're in a situation right now where, you know, trusting local, county, you know, state and federal leaders to, you know, do the best they can to do what needs to be done to, to make it through this coronavirus. But this time, it's not catching us by, by surprise. I think we're going to do things that, you know, individually in states and in areas uh, to be able to, to, to handle, you know, what's happening with the spike. So it's a, it's a good point relative to consumer. Control. Yeah, we're already talking with our coaching, like my coaching clients, we've had the discussion already. What are you going to need to do now, whether you're an individual agent or a team to prepare yourself? Do you need to get a virtual homeschooler for your, you know, your kids? Do you need to line up um, somebody you trust who's going to be your babysitter so yep. that you don't have the disruption that they had when it hit so fast? And they're exactly all, the point. they're all lining that up. I got to tell you right now, so I'm going to just, I'm going to interject here for a second. I have 24 different content marketing campaigns that I'm going to be sharing. Yvonne coming up in September and you just gave me another one, Yay. which is the most, the, the mo again, I'm going to go back to the same thing. We're at war, my friends. And some of us are winning the war and some of us, you know, we're, we just keep running into the same battle over and over again of, of misinformed consumers that don't know what's going on and they're paying attention to Fox or CNN or you know whatever, 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 whatever. You're not putting out enough content. You're not educating enough people on what's going on, right? I, I challenge everyone to be watching right now live and in the future, right? I'm gonna give you a bunch of stuff today that you could do regarding the Susie Armand thing that will get you, I don't wanna make a promise, but there's a good chance you're gonna be written about in the local newspaper, or you might be asked to be on television. Because I'm gonna show you, like, that's how important this is right now, right? We have got to get more focused on our content creation. And what Yvonne just said is to, for an agent in their marketplace to say, here are the five things you need to do if you have kids that are probably not going back to school, mm -hmm. right? Boom, 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 boom. Just like we did, Yvonne, when we said, okay, COVID's happening, we're now working from home, where our kids are at home, here's how you do homeschooling, right? Exactly. We have got to be the educator. You are the hub of your community. If you're a really excellent real estate professional, you are the hub of housing. You've got to put that content out. David, yeah. let's go to the next slide because we're talking about unemployment still, and I know we got a lot of ground to cover. Yeah, yeah. We've got, and here's some sobering news relative to unemployment. I want to kind of address this as core unemployment. We talked about it, uh, you know, in the last couple of shows, but uh, Wall Street Journal reported is temporary unemployment drops. Uh, permanent job loss keeps rising, what we just saw in the, uh, in the report. A core unemployment rate, which subtracts those temporary layoffs and then adds back in the unemployed that haven't looked for a job recently, jumped to 5.9% in June from 5% in May, according to Indeed economist Jed uh, Kolko that you see there. And this is what this looks like graphically speaking. So what we're looking at is we're seeing the overall unemployment rate come down, but we're seeing this core unemployment, meaning permanent uh, you know, responders to unemployment ticking up there. Now, we wanna watch that and we wanna pay attention to what's happening there. Now, if we look through the lens of, you can see on the far left of April, 2010, we're, we're at about half of where we were back then relative to core unemployment. But, but these um, unemployment questions and who's counted and all that have been questions that have been around for, you know, since they've been counting unemployment. And, you know, this gives us the full picture. And, and back to the point that was made earlier, that's what we want to give is the full picture. Um, I've included as well in the slides that, that people can go grab this more depth, less link slide. If you've been following this week in housing, you're gonna, you've seen this several times, it's updated here. And, and I'll give you the reminder, this is 
from where unemployment, uh, the rate was, to how long it took us to get back there. And obviously this is uh, forecasted for today, but we have that data for the Great Recession and the Great Depression. So real time, if you think about this, in February, where were we? How long will it take us to get back? Forecasters are saying, look, it's gonna take maybe four years to get back. We know in the Great Recession, it took nine. In the Great Depression, it took 12 years to get back there. It really just gives a, a picture of what we're looking at relative to unemployment uh, across the country. And, you know, the areas that are being affected, uh, certainly we want to be mindful of that. The individuals that are being affected, mindful of that. But we also want to help people that are, are uh, misinformed or concerned. Here's what's really going on uh, in the market. David, what would be fascinating is to take that same slide, and I know this would be a big project, but you know, who, who greater than you guys? <laughs> if we could take housing prices mm. you know, as a percentage, obviously with the Great Depression, it's going to be, a little, I, I would imagine, more challenging. But yeah. even going back to you know, the, you know, the Great Recession, to just see the impact of housing on top of this slide would be extraordinary. Yeah. And, and, and remind me, and I apologize, I should know this, Remind me, when do we get the GDP numbers on Q2? They're, they usually run about a, a month after. So, so we should be, be seeing these shortly, yeah. So um, you can call it you know, a couple weeks now. But here's the interesting thing, Tom. We, we've got that data of home sales um, uh, uh, graphed over unemployment rate. And I'll bring that next time we talk because that, that is a key, key piece. And there's some interesting things that we'll talk about in that. But this, this, this question here, go ahead. Everybody out there, because I'm just watching, you know, so everyone knows I'm watching here and I'm watching that on my phone so I can see the comments. Um, hi, Florence Sumner, by the way, from New York City. I miss you. I haven't seen you in a long time. Uh, Joe Hokey from Australia. I love it. Betty Gales. Um, for my friends that are out there, David just said he's going to give us a slide that shows, you know, the recession as it relates to home prices. Is that correct, David? We're going to show unemployment Thank you. relative to home sales. That's yeah. what we want to look at. And, and here's, the, here's the question you want to answer is does, you know, a rising unemployment rate mean less homes will sell or does a falling unemployment rate mean more homes will sell? So we'll address that next week. Thank you. That's going to be a really excellent data point. I mean, Yvonne, can you imagine just putting that up in the background and then just shooting a video and talking about it? Or if you have the ability to edit that slide in and do a talk over, you know, like on a Zoom session like this and then publishing that, Again, the more data, the more insight, the less opinions, right, the better. So, David, speaking yeah. of, let's talk about what the uh, CFPB is talking about, then maybe a little, uh, I'm going to poke at Susie Armand today. Sure. <laughs> sure. So, the, the, let's, let's, let's go ahead and talk about the Susie Armand post. Okay. okay. So, Sunday night, and it's, she's, if you haven't read this post, I'm going to encourage you to go there and read it and be informed because uh, Sunday night she posted uh, on Facebook and, and has posted other places. It's ended up in many groups in different areas uh, that one, she's recommending that, that people wait. And really the, the, the reason behind that is from uh, her concern of, uh, of a flood of foreclosures coming to market. And, and we'll kind of unpack that. And then she gave an analogy. If you own a $300,000 home, it's going to sell in foreclosure for 150000 uh, which I, I don't even know if we want to waste time to talk about that because we've never seen that happen in our lifetime other than that. But it, it, it underscores what the questions and concerns are in this market. And I think that's what we want to attack, Tom, here with what the CFPB is saying and what's the reality of it. Yeah. Let's jump, let's jump into it. And I have a recommendation uh, that I'm going to make, a really strong content marketing be the educator recommendation and then Yvonne I want you all over this one so let's show them sure. that slide. sure so I'll, I'll show them that slide. let me set it up this way we're, we're, we're seeing high unemployment right now and forbearance ending okay and unemployment ending so her her thinking and I, and I would I would say this let me say this for somebody who's not in our business this is not an illogical thought unemployment's high people are all on forbearance we're about to see a lot of foreclosures. I, I don't think any of us, if you heard that, you're like, you're misinformed. We know it in our business, but that's not illogical. We have to understand that. Yeah. And so let's look at what 
the CFPB says right now for people that are uh, coming off of, uh, of forbearance or those that are still unemployed, first your lender or loan servicer may not foreclose on you until at least August 31st, 2020. So that is their directive, okay? The second piece of this, if you experience financial hardship due to the coronavirus pandemic, you have a right to request and obtain a forbearance for up to 180 days. You also have the right to request and obtain an extension for up to another 180 days for a total of 360 days. So there are provisions in place for people that are struggling and that, 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 are, that are in the, the, the place of needing this where they don't have to fall into uh, foreclosure or into a distressed situation. Now, uh, Yvonne, you and I were talking before this call. Black Knight came out just this week and gave us some, some really good information that uh, uh, only a third of the people that are in forbearance are actually not making their payments. Two-thirds are making their payments. So there's really some interesting data that's starting to come out about that. Uh, relative to forbearance. So, so as we look at this narrative, we can attack that directly from what the CFPB is saying. So, so really quickly, Yvonne, I want you to share that story. We were, we were chatting before we went live about a situation that you just dealt with with a client. And I think it's an important piece that it, it's information that should be in the marketplace amongst you know, our kind of clients that are you know, the type of people that share in the knowledge broker. So just kind of high level share that story. You know, having been through two foreclosure markets, the 90s and then 2008, there's always misinformation and the consumer doesn't know. I mean, and it hasn't changed in 30 years. The consumer doesn't know. And the sad part about it was when the coronavirus happened, it was this mad dash and massive amounts of news that came out at people. And the first thing they heard was, you don't have to make a payment, you're okay, we'll give you a little leeway. The problem is, is the government said that, but the banks did not really agree with that. <laughs> so when you have that difference of opinion, you've got a problem. And people just thought, I'm going to be okay if I just miss a payment now or maybe two, and then I'll just bring it current when we get back to work. Well, I have a client who who's just thought the same thing. They're like, okay, the news and the government and everybody's telling me it's okay and didn't talk with a realtor and didn't call their even their bank to say, what will you do to me if I miss my payment? And uh, they missed it and then realized after the first one, oh darn, because now they're going to get a HELOC on their house to buy a lot to build their future dream home on. And guess what? Their local credit union won't give them the loan. And because they have a 30 day late on their credit, so now they had to go through the lender that has their, their loan on their first, and that lender declined them for a cash out refi. <laughs> so now we've got a double whammy. And so then I told them, you tell that lender to get that off your credit. You brought it current after only 30 days, you're paid up and remove it. They got the letter this week. They're sending it to their credit union to go back to the HELOC to re-underwrite. The problem is, is that would have never had to happen if the consumer had been educated and it is our responsibility as as agents we have we're the boots on the ground we're the people that are dealing with it in real life and if we're not getting the word out because we're not educated then that's a problem and so yeah and now with the way we can get it out you know we we have to do it and kcm gives us all the data and we have all of these charts and it makes it so simple but we have to hit the masses and i guess you can only it's like mother Teresa, you know you can fix the world one person at a time so so, so switch gears, I'm going to keep it on you, Yvonne. Um, thoughts about how you would counter uh, Susie Armand? <laughs> First, I laugh. <laughs> marketing hat on. Yeah. So, so much. I mean, as a coach, I've, I've kind of uh, keen termed this thing of the boogeyman only happens in your head when you don't use data and you use emotions. So uh, in the boogeyman, remember in those scary movies, the boogeyman never dies because it keeps coming back in your head. And so you have to use the data. And first off, you can crush her whole theory with just data. I mean, and it's not hard to find. You can go back to 2007 and eight and you can determine why did that happen, you know? And, and here's where I'll give her a little bit of a break, like, you know, David's giving her a little break. 
her, her gig was in stocks. Her, she's in the financial market in, in the Wall Street end of it. She, housing was not her thing. No. Okay. And so when you have that, she was back in the day where she was looking at all these fake tranches that got developed and mm-hmm. it was just bad. It, it, whoever came up with the whole thing, you know, 100% financing, 103% financing, you know, ninja loans, no income, no job, no assets should be shot. But anyway, that's my own opinion. And oh, wait, opinions, opinions. Okay, so I'll get back to data. So we have the data now, though, that we know she's inaccurate when it comes to housing. She might have had fine with Wall Street, but the data with housing is not true. And, um, and when you have a house that's worth $300,000, and it forecloses because they have a $150,000 loan on it, that doesn't mean it's gonna. The bank's gonna turn around and sell for one fifty. Right now, they're gonna sell for three fifty. Right. <laughs> okay, because they're gonna have forty-seven offers on it. Right. Because there's no inventory. <laughs> so you know, and so no, it doesn't make the neighbor's value go down. It's just you can shoot holes in that argument all over the place. But we have to do it. You know, we have to cons- tell, tell the consumer that. I and wonder- she's got a name. You know, she's like Susie Orman. Hey, it's Tom Ferry. Question, what's your favorite social media platform? Are you big on Insta? Do you love to tweet? No matter where you answer, I'd love for you to connect with me there. All you gotta do is just type in at Tom Ferry and follow and let's you and I connect. I wanna be able to deliver the right content, the right ideas, the ways to help you grow your business, stay fired up, keep moving, be in action and run plays that work in the platform that matters most to you. So subscribe and I'll see you there soon. I want to read you both. And I, pre- you and I said the same thing yesterday when I went live prepping for this show, I said, Hey, like Susie's a brilliant gal. She's really good with like, you know, stocks, your money market account, you know, your life insurance policy. Like that's where she made her name. Right. I don't remember her talking about real estate. Right. So I was looking at also the article she put out June 19th. Right. So I'm looking at this. I'm like, she's talking about her opinion. The housing market is absolutely softening in my opinion. Right. In my opinion, I'm like, oh, it just it just boils me. So here's my advice to everybody. You ready? I want you to be on your local television. I want you to be I want your blog post or video to be shared inside of your local news publication or a national news publication. This is what I would do if I were you. I would literally take that post right from Sunday night. I would read it inside now twice backwards. Then I would basically craft a blog, first and foremost, a written word blog, which is going to be more likely to get picked up very quickly inside the news cycle, or at least you can push it out into the, you know, into sort of the network, right? I would do a blog post that basically says, I would link a bunch of her quotes. I would tag all local news sources. I would tag her name repeatedly, hashtag Susie Armand, her at, you know, Twitter handle, everything else. And I would basically write a blog about her points versus your local MLS stats, right? And I would just go local MLS stats. Like, I understand that Susie lives in, in New York and I, I know clearly what she, you know, she, she has a sense of what she's talking about, but let me tell you about my, our market right here locally so you understand. Then I would go through all of the KCM slides, right? Sourcing, forbearance, unemployment. The last one you just did, David, this one, not sexy, but <laughs> right. it's right here. This basically says Susie is full of shit. And, and it says all you have to do is say, I have a problem. That's it. You know, everyone out there, like I, I know people, you know, people that went to Wells Fargo, Bank of America, Chase, blah, 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 and they were like this. They went one button. Yeah. They, they didn't ask you any questions. They just said, do you want forbearance? Yes. Like Amazon went, hey, that was easier than us. Right. Right. So, so I, and I, I apologize for cursing my friends, but I do get a little heated on this. I would do a video on it and a written blog. You with me? I do a video on it separately, a written blog. I would email it to my entire database, right? I would tag every local politician, every local newspaper, every national newspaper, her and everyone else you can imagine with a hashtag and their at symbol. And I would push it out. Don't be rude. Don't do what I did and curse. That's not appropriate. Right. But like just, Stand up and present the data. Stand up and present the data and push it out in your marketplace. Tag me because I'll share it also. All right. Yeah. 
Sorry, David, my rant. Any other thoughts? No. On before well, we let me give thoughts? you one other thing to, to add to that. And it's a reminder of what we talked about last time. It's, it's right here. It's what Black Knight says. Mm -hmm. We know that those that are in forbearance, active forbearance that are past due, 77% uh, have at least 20% equity in their home. Exactly. We talked about that last time, remember? And, yeah. and I think keeping that in mind and, and giving a real world scenario that if you own a $400,000 house today, let's say you have 20% equity, that's $80,000 in equity in that home. Are you gonna let that home go into foreclosure? No, no you're not going to, you know? And, and so I think we have the data on, on top of data to be able to refute that. And I love the idea, Tom, of. Uh, of going back and saying, hey, how do, how do we get that out in the world today? Because again, I want to go back to the Susie Ormond piece that, that she's not the only one saying this. There are other people saying this, which kind of really doubles down on the challenge people are having today to understand what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very real. I think that you know, everyone out watching right now, it's, very, it's not every client you talk to. But what concerns me is it's the people inside your database, your past clients, the people that know you, like you, and trust you, that see you as the advisor, that, that they're just not calling you, right? Yeah. They're just, they're misinformed, right? They don't know. So, so again, like many, you know, many of you, my clients here and, and you know, friends in my community, I just put out a challenge a couple days ago. Call every single person in your database between now and August and just ask them how they're doing and then find out what they're thinking about real estate and then educate them on the data. Just be the knowledge broker. That, that will have such positive ripple effects on your business and on your brand and your trust and your connection. Remember, making phone calls isn't hard. Sitting down and making the first phone call, that's what's hard, right? Once you start, you're like, oh my God, why don't I do this every day? All right, David, let's keep, let's keep going because I know we got a lot of ground to cover. And maybe I'm looking now to see if you guys want to ask a question, put it in the comments and let's see if I can get okay. to some Q&A with you guys today. I know we're going to talk let's, about pricing, right? Let's talk about pricing. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's the next thing up. So I, I want to I bring up, we, we brought together nine experts and what they're saying about pricing. Let's show that and let's, let's talk about this for a second. So you can see right here, there is a large range of projections on future home prices, really the outlook on what is going to happen. Yeah. And, and as you look across here, we see these nine uh, entities and, you know, six of the nine saying, hey, we're, we're going to see positive appreciation. Uh, a couple there in Zillow and Hawes saying, hey, we're going to see a little bit uh, of, of depreciation slight. And then we have CoreLogic here. Mm -hmm. It's the clear outlier saying, hey, going in this actually a projection over the, the coming 12 months that we'll see 6.6% depreciation. So when we look at all this, we can clearly see the majority uh, are saying, hey, we're going to see appreciation this year. But there are voices out there that are saying, hey, we're going to see we're going to see depreciation. And so I think that's the that's the thing that right now in the market we need to be able to talk to. We need to be able to bring that to people uh, that may say, hey, I've heard that homes are going to lose value. I'm going to I'm going to kind of kind of hold off on what I, what I was going to do. Yeah. David, I have a question about that. CoreLogic being one of the largest data sources mm -hmm. in the country, mm -hmm. um, what are they basing that off of? What are they thinking? Yeah. You know, I will tell you this. We, we point to CoreLogic a lot, a yeah. trusted source. If this was someone else, we would say, okay, you, you know, this is right. it. Um, our research team was shocked. Yeah. Okay, so uh, let me tell you what we did. We reached out to CoreLogic and talk to the chief economist. And um, what they're basing that projection on is a lack of demand driven by higher unemployment going forward, okay? So, I, and, and they, they didn't address supply. They, they, did, they didn't talk about supply and, and, and certainly we respect them and uh, respect uh, what, what they do. But I think in that conversation, we have to look at supply and demand. And, and that is what ultimately will drive pricing. And, uh, and, and that's where even the local piece of this, to be able to bring this local, let's talk about supply and demand local. I'm gonna bring you all the macro numbers, but I think this is the area that we can deliver that message to say, hey, here's what's happening locally. Well, and I, do you think that maybe that's some of the, the luxury market then coming in as well? Because we've had, right. 
sellers pushing the envelope and then houses being priced too high and then they're adjusting down so CoreLogic is picking that up as just a price decrease maybe i don't know and it's i can tell you from their response from the chief economist it is is based on an outlook of higher unemployment okay um, we're seeing we, we're seeing even you know Tom some of the stuff we talked about when we traded around today we're seeing people flood into the luxury market and I'll, I'll bring some of that here in just a minute um, but but here would be my other counter to that is even in a point in this country where we saw the highest unemployment we've seen since the Great Depression people were still buying houses yeah. the the article today that we were trading and I, I don't know if anybody else reads uh, M and I I, 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 I read pieces of Inman. Um, but there was something inside there that we were trading. There's just about, you know, hey, you know, we're seeing all these luxury brokers. We see it because we coach so many of them in Aspen, Miami, New York City, Connecticut, Boston, you know, Seattle. And they're like, what are you guys talking about? We're so busy. We can't like, we're, we're dying, right? We're so busy right now. And I'm just curious, like, even as I looked down, I know like Christoph Chu is on the line. I'm curious for all my high-end, uh, my high-end clients. And by the way, remember, high-end is relative. Like, if you're in Norman, you know, Oklahoma, high-end is like 350, right? So, what are you all seeing out there? Give us some comments. I want to see it in the notes. Um, but David, do you think that's what they're referring to? Like, is it just a high-end thing? Like, as Yvonne was saying, I, I don't think when they make projections like that, they're looking at just the high-end. They're they're certainly looking at the overall market. Uh, this is a this is not a luxury market forecast. Yeah. I was just thinking of data overall, if they put it all together, luxury and low end and middle in the road, that the numbers are getting skewed because of the prices decreasing. You know, I was just sending you guys that email, you know, about a house up here in the Idaho area. Yeah. 1.8 million five years ago, you know, now at 1.1 and realistically in the right place. And we're at peak prices. So you know, so that's where I'm wondering if those numbers, if they take that in consideration. But if it's unemployment based only, then, you know, maybe they're seeing something we don't see yet. I don't know. It, well, there's there's a couple things we need to look at here. One, their, their response, which we have to, that's all I have to go on, is mm -hmm. that is based on that that outlook. Um, and, and two, when you look at nine projections, I would, I would reemphasize this. They are the outlier. Yeah. So we have to keep that in mind. But, but even in this conversation here, in our business, when we see that, we go, okay, that, you know, that, that, that causes that alarm. And I'm not trying to discount that, but we have to look at, okay, there were six other people that said there are going to be positive appreciation going forward. You know, right. there are a couple that are like, hey, we're, we're, we're marginal um, right there. And then we have this one outlier. But the, the ultimate question on pricing will come down to supply and demand. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So... I'm looking at that quote from Mark Fleming from uh, the chief economist of First American. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk about that. So I'll hop back in here and let's and I'll break these down by supply and demand. And I think this is the area where we can bring local information in. But Mark says here, as we navigated the unprecedented impact of COVID-19, home has taken on added significance, and there are signs that home ownership remains one of the main tenants of the American dream. And what he's saying there is, is home has become the central hub of everything uh, through this pandemic and made home, made home ownership more important, made, you know, like what we were talking about, Yvonne, made what we uh, consider important, what, what we need has changed uh, in the last four to six months uh, across the country. And, and so that's uh, obviously uh, something that, that's very uh, near and dear to every one of us here on on the call, and you, you know, as we start to look at Zillow's um, July second report, we know pending sales are up, uh, we know listings taken are up, but total uh, listings are down, and listings taken are down. Again, going back to that supply side, we we made the the joke that you know, in, in Susie Armand's piece, there was a three hundred thousand dollar house that isn't going to sell for one hundred and fifty; it's going to sell for three fifty because the supply is just not there. This image here, we used it uh, two weeks ago, Tom and Yvonne, and I, I updated it with the latest information of the year-over-year -year change in listings, and we've seen a spike in new listings coming to the market, and yet a drop in the total listings. And when I look at this, you know, I would make the analogy of a store 
and, and it's a store that can't get inventory on the shelves fast enough before people buy it. It's like toilet paper was two and a half months ago. There's you a know, supply we, chain problem. <laughs> we, we, we can't get it into the store before people snap it up. And while yeah. listings are coming to the market, the number of total listings uh, is decreasing. And if you remember, we showed this slide, uh, a, a variation of this slide two weeks ago, where we contrasted this to 2018 and 2019. Right. And that, I, I, you know, this, this, is, this is good when you compare it against those prior two years. It is, it's so startling how few homes are coming on the market right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you point blank. What are you telling your clients to do? Because your clients are listing a lot of houses. My clients are listing a lot of houses. What is the best advice? You know, encouragement, tactics, hack on helping them educate and get more listings. They have to talk to everyone. That you can't pick and choose now. You have to. It's like throw the net out bigger because because now you're looking for people that have a reason, a true reason to sell whether it's downsizing, moving mom and dad into assisted care homes, uh, probates, uh, divorces, you know, it, you have to hit all of it. You can't just find the person that is just ready to get a new home because yeah. they're gonna say, I'm not listing until I find my new home. And you're gonna say, well, nobody's gonna take your offer contingent on waiting for you to list your home. Yeah. That's just not happening because that you're gonna go up against 10, 15, 20 offers. Yeah. So the, the educating that consumer, that seller, that if they're not really serious about moving, if they're not really serious about selling, that this isn't the time for them. No. They have no. to be reason why. It was almost the perfect storm of the, uh, the end of pocket listings in the U.S., right? Because we, yeah. we don't need another pocket listing right now. We don't need another non-serious seller. We need serious sellers that understand what's happening, especially when you're like, I don't know if you guys are watching, I'm looking at Facebook and the comments and people are like, yeah, I'll put a $2.2 million home in the market, sold with two offers. Well, that's the other point, Tom. It's like when you go to a listing presentation and that seller says, I want X, list the damn thing for X. Thank you. Because, and then deal with it if you don't get any showings or offers in the first week, yeah. because then you can just go back and say, hey, your house, we, the market has spoken. You know, and, and you take all listings and then you deal with it after, after educating them up front saying, listen, you're higher than any appraiser I'm ever going to be able to get on this. And so just know I got to sell your house twice, once to a buyer, once to an appraiser, if there's an appraiser involved. Yeah. And if that doesn't happen, then the buyer's got to bring in the cash or you're going to have to drop your price or meet in the middle. So, you know, there's solutions to all of it, but don't walk away from it just because you don't think it's the right price. I think all of us as coaches have had that conversation tens of times, probably even going back into, you know, mid, mid April when, when yes. we saw the inventory, at least for our clients start to, they were taking more listings, right? Yep. Um, David, let's do that. Let's do that national slide. I want to dig into that. Um, I think it's, it's great because we got people from the Northeast. We got people in the South. So this is a good kind of bring it a little, even, you know, go national, go regional, and then go into your marketplace. Yeah, absolutely. So we, we talked about supply. This is talking about demand now, okay? So this is a slide that, uh, that you're talking about, Tom. And this is a view uh, from showing time of the year-over-year -year change in buyer viewing appointments. These are virtual or in-person. Nationally, those are up 21.4% of people saying, we want to you know, look at a home. We want to schedule a showing. And you can see Northeast, South, Midwest, West, all up. In the, in the neighborhood of you know 20%, uh, uh, a little bit more, 23% in the South there. But demand, so we, we talked about supply being where it's at. Demand is, is rushing in. Now, the interesting thing, and, and I'll go back to the, to the slide that we've used a lot, which is the showings uh, across yes. North America that Showing Time gives us, uh, and we've been following this since the coronavirus. We saw this pent-up demand spike happen and then we've kind of seen this, this, this little bit of, uh, you know, you're kind of flattening out of that and even a little dip. And I wouldn't get, wouldn't get, you know, afraid of that dip. It's likely uh, caused by the July 4th weekend by, by things, uh, you know, happening relative to summer right there. But we can see the demand spiked, you know, from what is it, the mid April point that we talked about into that, you know, I'm going to call it Tom, the, the, uh, the after COVID rush. Uh, yes. that you talked about so much. And so we know demand 
is out there and it's, it's, coming, it's coming at us quickly. Another interesting stat comes um, here from, from move.com. Summer home buying season is off to a roaring start as buyers flooded into the market at realtor.com. The monthly traffic hit an all-time high of 86 million unique users in June. And that was only breaking May's record of 85 million unique users uh, the month before. So uh, seeing, seeing demand, seeing people saying, hey, I want to look at a home. I want to uh, schedule a, a time to, to see that home. And then ultimately what we have to look at, and, and NAR's done a good job of this, and, and they released recently uh, what they call the Housing Market Recovery Index. And, and they built this baseline from February 1st, and they combined demand, supply, price, and time on market. And said, okay, where are we at? And you can see this most uh, recent point of that, we're almost right back to where we were uh, on February 1st. So from a demand side, we're seeing demand rush back into the market and, uh, and, and, and counter a supply that is uh, you know, across the country uh, you know, undersupplied in the number of homes on the market for the number of people that, you know, that want to buy them. Hey, David. Uh, it is directly affecting their price. Yeah. Okay. I think every smart agent right now is looking at that slide. Remember mykcm.com forward slash Tom Ferry or screenshot and crop it, like whatever you have to do. Yvonne, look at that slide. There is so much to talk about in this slide. It's an entire, it's an entire blog. It's an yep. entire episode of a show. What, what's going through your mind as you look at demand, supply, price, and time on market, you know, basically from, what are we talking, 229.37 when it drops to today? My, my title of the blog or the post or whatever you're doing would be, here's your V. It's not pretty, but here's your V. <laughs> okay. Because the, that's it. The V's happened. The V's the v happened. happened. And it's, you know, and it's, and of course we didn't expect it to be a straight line V because they never are. So, I mean, it, it's just, yeah, it's simple. It's easy. And it shows supply and demand. Now, what happens when it goes above the hundred? And it gets to, you know, then we're in a whole different game. Yeah. The slide that I would put, though, behind this is I would put, you know, an unemployment slide. I would show the, the equity slides that KCM has put up recently. And, and we've been discussing nonstop, you know, how much equity in homes in the U.S. So, so people see, like, okay, wait a minute. Like, forbearance. They're clearly that we're not going into you know foreclosure mode. They're going to let them go 360 days, almost five days short of a year. And look at how much equity is in these properties. You have that any? has to be. I don't even know. I mean, that's got to be the biggest thing that has to be put front and center is the equity in these homes. And I was watching another thing I was reading, and and it said that um, household savings rates yeah. were hovering around eight percent. And and higher, which we haven't seen since the early 1990s. Right. So when you have savings rates up and you have housing equity up, you don't you don't have the makings for a giant crash. No, 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 it's no. Not there. But we do have a problem we need to discuss, which is the the mortgage banking world right now. Okay, Tristan, please bring yourself into the show. Hey. <laughs> All right, everybody, this is the first time ever, Tristan Irvin in the house. Uh, if, if you don't know, uh, Tristan is uh, my videographer. You know, prior to COVID, we were traveling all over the world together and having tons of fun. We still get to work together, obviously, nonstop. I married he and his lovely wife, Stephanie. I, I encouraged them, along with a lot of really smart real estate CEOs, to buy their first house. And he, tell them what you did. Give, give them the news on on what you just told us today, because this is the assignment that everybody should do. And it's also leading into Yvonne and David, the problem we're having right now. Yeah, so uh, this morning, uh, my wife called our uh, loan company and we ended up refinancing. We went from 4.2% uh, was our interest rate was uh, when we bought the house, got it all the way down to 2.79, I think. So yeah, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. 2.89 is what it is now. 2.89. Yeah. 
And, and, you know, we were chatting, you know, before we started this, and I think everybody out there knows, you know, if you, if you aren't telling your clients today to refinance their home, if you're not telling your best clients, your, your friends, your sphere, like, you know, we're not promoting a mortgage company here. We're saying use anybody, yeah. just, you know, just serve. Yvonne, you brought this up because you said, you know, we're watching people save more money. Yeah. When Tristan and Steph, you know, get their next bill, you know, their next mortgage payment and it's three or $400 less. That's that is the, that is the quintessential definition of building wealth and generational wealth. That's all it is. Saving your money, making smart moves, building equity in your house, and it's your retirement plan. I mean, it's, it is the quintessential explanation of it. It's perfect. Okay, we got a lot and of people. Right now, by the way, at, <laughs> I was 17 years old when I got my first job in escrow. In 1986, interest rates were 17.5%, and people were still doing deals. 2.5%, 3%, it's free money. It's, it's context. So Tristan, I'm putting you and Steph on the spot right now. I don't know if she's, she's you know, where, where she is. Do that, do that work. Your home office, right? Yeah. You got to take the balance of that money and you got to put it towards your primary equity. You got to pay off your mortgage. Okay. All that extra money goes to paying off your mortgage. Taking notes right now. <laughs> what do you guys, David, what do you think? Absolutely. I think that right now, you know, here's where my head goes. And Yvonne, you hit, you hit the... Uh, the nail on the head. The benefit of home ownership is you're able to participate in a refinance cycle like this that a renter can't. And that's what we, and you look at today, you look at people that, that are going through uh, a tough time potentially in, in uh, you know, we talked about forbearance and a number of different things to be able to drop a payment uh, on your home. It's, it's, it's amazing. And, and I'm excited about, Tristan, about you guys getting to do that because that's that's huge. We we did the same thing. Carrie and I, my wife and I, did the same thing. And you know, I, I think it causes you know the 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 other side of that coin, Tom, that you've talked about, is it's a little hard to get in touch with a lender today. You know, I, I told you I was on the phone with one of our great uh, KCM members uh, this morning in Denver, and she said, David, this week we had two hundred alerts go off for people in their database that now was the time for them to refinance. And so it's the, it's a place in time that we, you know, we find ourselves. Yeah. So I don't want to, I don't want you to reach out to your lender right now and, and, you know, you know, bust their chops. Uh, I've actually been asked this question a lot when, when I do Instagram stories and in one particular case, I said, you know, just first of all, recognize that, you know, we're, we're in a moment in time that that individual is doing the best they can with what they got. And they might be handling 60 or 70 loans that they're trying to service all at once. And, you know, I understand because you're the agent, you're like, but I need to get the answer right now for my client because everything is so important when you have a client. I get it. I get it. My advice is maybe shoot them a friendly video and say, hey, Yvonne, I can only imagine how busy you are. Um, you know, I don't care if it's tonight at midnight when you finally end your day. You know, could you just let me know? I need to know what, you know, for Tristan and Steph to make sure, that, you know, when's this going to get done and are we on track, right? And, and I, what I'm telling people is don't be a part of the problem with the mortgage companies right now. Right. Don't 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 be the one that goes, I'm going to make the most noise and scream. So my loan goes to the top, because remember, that also is your brand when all this slows down. Yvonne, you got any thoughts there? I'm going yeah. to go. Home. <laughs> Congratulations, Tristan. Thank you. So I, I agree. Um, and, you know, I was that agent when I started I, 30 years ago. I was that, you know, hyper get in everybody's face, get it done. And uh, somebody really wise, uh, two people really wise said, you get more with sugar than you do with salt. And, um, and when I learned that early on, it was like, wow, this really worked. The two people being my mother-in-law and my husband. And <laughs> so mentors in my real estate career. So, you know, I, 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 I agree with that. And it's no different just to kind of bring in of what we're dealing with in the day and age right now. It's no different than wearing a mask into a restaurant to keep that damn business open. That's right. You're doing it to keep them open. Yep. Whether, whatever your beliefs are, you're doing it to keep them open because we need to keep them open. And, yep. and so, you know, that's what you do. So you shoot the video and you be nice to the lender and you know that they're, you know, doing the best they can. And, uh, and then usually they'll get back to you faster. And it, you'll step up to the top of the stack. <laughs> that's a good point. Because you were nice and you understood their point right. of view. Yep. Okay.
David, let's bring it home because I had asked you and we, we talked about like, hey, I want to discuss the high end. And I know you've got a slide that I think is important for everybody that's, you know, maybe, you know, working in the high end marketplace to talk about what's going on right now. So I know this one, I think it was from the chief economist of realtor.com. Let's show them that and let's talk about it. Yeah, we talked about luxury just a minute ago, but this comes from Danielle Hale and it's reflective of where, you know, where we are right now. And she says, much like the suburbs are gaining favor with home shoppers, second home markets are seeing increased interest from luxury buyers. Talk about Suffolk County, New York, home to the Hamptons, Palm Springs and Riverside County, uh, Greenwich uh, and Fairfield uh, County in Connecticut, all second home markets ranked among the top five markets with the largest increase in listing view growth in May. And they go on to say views of luxury properties accelerated 56% in the Hamptons, 28% in Palm Springs, and 24% in Greenwich compared to the January trends. You're seeing the luxury home market, you know, people flocking to that saying, you know, we, we want to get out of where we are. We want to now buy that, that home of our dreams, that retirement home, and, and that, you know, people in demand rushing that way. I know, uh, I know, Yvonne, you've got comments here, but I'm, you know, literally in between coaching sessions today, walking the quick, you know, sort of half mile loop of my community, I run into Tim Smith, my personal client, who is walking out of a property he has now sold twice. The first time it, the deal fell apart, he was totally fine because he had three more offers on it for $14 million, right? He said, Tom, if it's near the water, if it has a nice backyard, if it's clean, if it's four years or newer, if it's new construction, it almost doesn't matter what price it is. And I hear the same thing across the country, right? You know, just the key that I want to stress to everybody is Mauricio Umansky, if he's watching, what, what's up, Mauricio? Like, you know, he and I did a podcast and, you know, legendary high-end agent for, you know, I think he sold more $20 million houses than anybody in the country documented. I asked him, tell me about your morning routine. He says, you know the deal. I wake up in the morning and I study the MLS for 45 minutes because I need to know in detail what's moving, what's not, what's happening, who's doing it, what's going on. And he said, and I got to look at kind of all the marketplaces that we serve. And I challenge all of you, if I said to you, what's selling and what's not in your marketplace? Can you articulate it and then shoot a video about it? Can you articulate it and say, if it's not selling, here's the things you need to do to get it saleable, right? I'm seeing... Clients like Maxine Gellens, who, you know, you know, Yvonne, you know, David, you know, 83 years old, shooting videos and talking about it. Because right now in San Diego, if it's near the water, if it has an ocean view, if it's clean, if it's contemporary, like, like we know what sells and we know what's sitting. And we're, we're educating people. And guess what we're getting? More of the people that are sitting, those properties that wouldn't sell, saying, what do I need to do? We all want more come list me calls. How much content are you putting out? How much marketing are you doing? And how many people are you talking to? That's right. I screenshotted that exact um, that exact slide and sent it to two of my coaching clients, Terry Munsell down in the desert, Palm Desert, La Quinta, Palm Springs, and Tyler Whitman over in New York, who's expanding in, into the Hamptons. And I'm like, are you guys shooting video with this content? You know, get it out there. And and they they both came back. Yes, yes, and yes. You know. And so it, it's, it's a really interesting thing that um, we're seeing that kind of thing happen. And we get a lot of questions like Tom Tezak, our, one of our great clients in, over in the islands in Hawaii, you know, he, he's really into second, you know, resort communities and uh, communicates a lot. They mastermind a lot. I think they felt a little bit of a, like a negative kind of a downer over the beginning of the first of the year and, and then COVID because Hawaii was locked down. You, you, sure. went, you went there, you're locked in your hotel room for 14 days, you know, yeah. and they were arresting you if you weren't. But I have a feeling he's just got a delayed crunch coming. I mean, they need to be ready. And in his market and other markets that had that happen, they should be listing anything they can get their hands on right now, yeah. no matter what the price, because people are coming. We're seeing the same that we saw it in San Diego in the high end. We're seeing it in New York City now, right? You know, yep. you're seeing it in Hoboken, New Jersey, right? And, and the rest of New Jersey and Connecticut is completely on fire, right? And you're seeing the same thing in the Hamptons. But in those micro markets, you know, New York City specifically, vertical living, very challenging. Uh, even though they were essential, they really couldn't do anything. I just kept telling my clients there, just, just be patient. Right? You know, and let's talk about Canada for a minute. Um, you know, 
Terry's Market down there in, in the desert of California is affected because a lot of Canadians come there. The yes. Canadians go to Arizona. They can't, we have friends here in Sandpoint, they come to Sandpoint from Alberta and places. They can't even leave their province, much less come over the border. Right. So when that opens up, you've got a whole nother rush of, of, of input. So that's why I, I think we should be ready for a long-term extension of a good market. I mean, just based on what we're seeing with how things are opening up. Patience, right? Patience. So David, I know, that, I know we've got one last slide, um, and I think it's an, it's an important one because it kind of tells two different stories. Sure. And let's, we'll wrap it up and we'll let everybody you know, get off to their weekend of hopefully selling a ton of real estate, making lots of phone calls and creating lots of content. MyKCM.com forward slash Tom Ferry, download all the slides and get to work. But David, Absolutely. Yeah, this last slide here is, is really, you know, a little bit counter to what we've been talking about. And it kind of goes into what some are thinking. It says 80, 87% of home sellers are concerned their home won't sell because of the pandemic and resulting economic recession. This came out from Lending Tree the end of last month. We talked about it two weeks ago. And yet 372,000 homes sold in the U.S. last month. So I think it underscores, Tom and Yvonne, the importance of what you just both said in, in, in literally you texting uh, client, Yvonne, that our job right now, today, this weekend, on video, however, is to get the word out there. Things are happening because there's a lot of noise today. And, you know, we wrapped up the call two weeks ago talking about how, you know, in the coming months, uh, the, the, the political agenda of both sides are going to use that to, to, to try to you know, make it turn in their favor. And we've got to get out there and we've got to be able to deliver these messages. That's right. That's right. Yvonne, closing thoughts? Um, you know, just go to work. I mean, literally, right now is, is you are in your moment. Take, you know, take the 15 minutes of fame and go do everything that you, you do. And don't get so caught up in the, the minutia, the, the marketing and stuff like that. Make the calls, do the first call. The others are easy. Do the video to your database, to the people that you know already and they know and love you. And then it goes. And to that note, you were talking about doing video and then sending it around. I did one back in um, uh, last year. How, it was at the end of the year during election period. It was regarding Prop 13 in California. I've never had a video go kind of crazy. This one went crazy. I had 16,000 people, 1,800 engagements, and it was shared 140 times. And so if your content is solid and you get it out there and you're intense about the data and what you show, I just had a whiteboard behind me and did the data. I read the, the, the whole thing, knew all about it, and then I gave it a simple explanation to the consumer. And it went crazy. You can do the same thing for the housing market now, what's happening with all of the BS that's being said out there in the world. Get that, get that craziness to calm down and get people to see the real thing that's happening. That's yep. our job. 100%, 100%. I'm reading you something I wrote this morning. There's a secret that real professionals know that amateurs don't. It's not making the calls that's hard. What's hard is sitting down and making the first call. That's right. Right? So, so my friends, I, I hope, I, no, I'm demanding, I'm not hoping, I'm demanding that you do the right thing and you pick up the phone, you text, you call, you one-on-one -on -one email every single person you know and you say, tell me what your interest rate is. Let's get that resolved. Let's get that better, right? Beyond the how you doing, build rapport. And then, hey, have you had any thoughts of trading up or trading down or buying a second home anytime between now and the end of 2021, because I'm here to help, right? If you just do that and you get your ego out of the way and you get your, I don't like making phone calls out of the way, right? Stop being an amateur, be a pro. Amateurs, right? Talk about it. Pros are just too busy doing the work and selling houses. Be a pro. I love you guys and I respect the two of you tremendously. Thank you always for being on this show. We'll see everybody back here in two weeks. Let's see, coming up on getting the GDP numbers, which is gonna be interesting to show us even more of that V. So get to mykcm.com forward slash Tom Ferry, download the slides and start pumping out some content and make sure you tag us. All right, guys, have a wonderful weekend. See you all soon.
If you want more information about this episode, including my show notes, mentions, links, and everything else, make sure you visit tomferry.com slash podcast. That's tomferry.com slash podcast. Thanks again and talk to you soon.